Rebels, it's that time. Can you feel it? Are you ready to be a great parent? Do you want to feel like you're back on your honeymoon? Well, we believe in you and God believes in you. Rebels, it's time to join the rebellion. It's time for Rebel Parenting. Hey, what's up, Rebels? Hope you're having a great week. Powerful parents, how are you doing? Awesome show today with Jefferson and Alyssa Bethke talking about marriage. But before we start, this portion of the podcast is sponsored by The Voice of the Martyrs. Persecution.com is their website. The Voice of the Martyrs has been helping those being persecuted around the world for more than 50 years. Let that drop on you. More than 50 years. We love the voice of the martyrs. Persecution.com and MyPillow. MyPillow.com. Code word rebel for a discount on a four pack of pillows. I just got home. I've been on the road. Took my pillow with me. I spoke five times in two and a half days. Yes, let that sink in. Five times in two and a half days. I was on fire. Oh, I had so much fun. I had all the fun in Northern California and the whole family, Rebel Mom, Atomic Mom, Lincoln, Lucy, were all going back in November, November 8th and 9th for a parenting conference in Santa Rosa, California. Check Facebook for more details. Let's see. What did I do? First night, I did a double home group with a whole bunch of parents. Had a great time. The next day, I went to an elementary school. I did uh, videos for the upcoming event. I went to a pastor's luncheon and spoke there uh, to 82 pastors. I went to a local pro-life group. And then the next day, I did... Oh, that night, I did another parenting group. And then the next day, I did a homeschool parent collective. And good news for me, I missed the whole blizzard. The entire thing. When I was leaving, it was hitting so hard blizzard. It was pouring down rain. I landed in California. The next flight was delayed to severe weather. The following two flights canceled. Canceled. And then when I flew home, all the snow had melted off. Woo! I had so much fun. Let's jump into the program. We're going to talk marriage and how to make it last with Jefferson and Alyssa Bethke today on Rebel Parenting. Jeff and Alyssa, thank you for being on the broadcast today. It's such a treat. I've been watching your videos forever, Jeff, and uh, so many of our, our listeners have. I don't know if all of our listeners know you, Alyssa. Can you talk about a little bit about your upbringing and then meeting Jeff and kind of how those two worlds mesh together? Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, thanks so much for having us tonight or today, this morning, I guess. Yeah. Um, so I grew up, I'm an only child, grew up in Washington and in a home where both my parents um, are married and have a great marriage and love Jesus. Um, so I grew up in the church and started to really walk with God when I was 15, right before high school. Mm-hmm. And then um, Jeff and I, we actually went to the same high school, but met on our prom night, but just like real quickly. Um, and then we didn't meet again until after I was done with college um, at our really good friend's sister's wedding. Hmm. And before that, he had like hit me up on Facebook and I was like, I don't even know who this kid is. I don't know why he's messaging me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He started sliding like, those DMs yeah. like, hey, what's happening there? Alyssa, what's going on? You're like, I don't know you. Totally. We yeah. met one time. You're you know, hitting me up here. Yeah. Right. And so, um, but we met at a wedding and just really hit it off. And um, I knew he was really something special when we first started talking. So, yeah, that's kind of just the really, really quick version of me. 
Yeah. Mm. And Jeff, what was your upbringing like? What was your background and world like? So everything she said, the opposite of. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, jokingly, it is kind of true, though. So, yeah, uh, sat raised in the church, like my, but I was raised with a single mom, you know, on welfare, Section 8, food stamps. Dad mm. was around, but it was more the, like, every other weekend custody thing. Yeah. Um, and just, yeah, grew up, you know, in poverty and a harsher environment. My parent, parents never were married, all of that. But we still, my mom... I uh, still took us to church, so I had I, I went enough to definitely know the culture and mm. know like what I needed to do to be good and all these things. But um, at home, it was definitely um, the polar opposite story of kind of what just Alyssa just said. So yeah, those that's why it's what we talk about in the book is um, because of our stories. Uh, I think there's at least there's there's someone can relate to either of us in the book. Right. But then on top of that, I also think it was a cool thing that the Lord kind of the the heart of the book is we kind of argue for this third way of relationships where we kind of talk mm. about man, I was raised in this more kind of prodigal son context of just no one was really teaching me, no dad to tell me what was right, what was wrong. Mm-hmm. And sure. so I just kind of did what felt good, what looked good, you know, what smelled good, kind of just a slave to the five senses. And then Alyssa was over here more in the little bit more conservative religious side of things. And then she saw some some um, things that maybe weren't the best in that either, whether that was purity culture or kissing, dating, goodbye and stuff like that. And so then we kind of advocate for this third, <laughs> way, this third way in the middle of like, yeah, G- it's Jesus, but it's a, a Jesus that where the rules are full of intimacy and life and beauty. And so, mm. yeah, that, uh, but that's our stories. Well, let's dive into that third way since we're already here. Can we just tease that out? <clears throat> yeah, I yeah. think the, the analogy I think of is like, I mean, I think the obvious People obviously usually get the prodigal son context of like, right. um, that, that's a poor choice. Uh, uh, we buy the lie that that the culture is going to give us what we desire and it's going to <laughs> satisfy us. And mm-hmm. and so we go after that. We drink, you know, it's kind of like drinking toilet water, I say, where like, yeah, it's going to satisfy you if you're in a desert. But if you're at home, you know, in your house, you don't go drink out of the toilet. You go drink out of the faucet. And a lot of us spiritually, emotionally and mentally are in deserts. So toilet water tastes very, very good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, you know, when you have something better, then you don't go there. And then on the religious side of things, I would say, I think, I mean, I can let Alyssa speak to it too, but I think the analogy I think of there is like a lot of Christians, um, the bad side of like purity culture or the bad side of just religiosity is kind of the picture of like getting married with no spouse, right? Like imagine if you went to a wedding and there was just one person at the altar, but they still went through all the, the, you know, the motions of like, here's the vows. You got a pastor up there. All these people came to attend. Let's cut the cake. Let's do all these things like that looks stupid, right? Because it's like, no, no, these are all the rules and things you do for a marriage. But at the end of the You're day, missing if, the not, key there, <laughs> yeah, if it's not centered, if it's not centered on two people intimately becoming one, like a yeah. relationship, then all the rules look stupid. But if you have two people marrying each other, then all those rules and things that you do at a wedding are awesome. And so that's what I think I kind of, we kind of talk about in the book is it's not necessarily that the rules are inherently wrong. It's just that if there's not intimacy at the center with Mm -hmm. Jesus, then they become hard, rigid, hurtful, and damaging. Yeah. Yeah. Alyssa, let me ask you this, because your backgrounds are so different. So, you know, the way you react to situations, the way you might handle money, the way you might handle conflict or fighting, or how you were raised versus how Jeff was raised, you know, these things come up how do you step back and say, I was raised this way, he was raised another way, there's some good and bad in both? How do we 
take our personal selves out of it because it feels so personal when someone's like, what, what are you talking about? We're t- of course, we're going to spend money this way. And you're like, but we never spent money that way growing up. Or of course, we fight this way. And I say mm-hmm. these things and you're saying, oh, well, we, you know, we deal with couples all the time where one people, you know, they talk about things in the open or they raise their voices and the other people beat around the bush and talk around a subject, but never really quite hit it. And, you know, silent. yeah. How have you guys brought both of your different backgrounds together to make this one marriage? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. And I I think any marriage has to work through that no matter if your stories are different or the same. Mm -hmm. Um, Because every every family you grow up in is different. And you have like a family origin and it's just like built into you. You don't realize it, but you're like growing up in this family and... Um, how your parents handled things is built into your DNA so much so that you don't even realize when you get married, you're like, you don't, it's not even really consciously, but like, oh, this is how it should be. And then something mm. happens, you're like, oh, no, wait, that was just my family. And how can we now as a new family, mm-hmm. yeah. what are we going to go for? And I think we're really, um, we walked a lot in through that our first year of marriage. And even now at five years, we're like walking through another layer mm-hmm. and, um, just, I think, being reminded of, okay, like being able to call it out and say, oh, this is how my family did it, but we're a new entity. Mm-hmm. And just like mm-hmm. ask, like having the conversation, like what is important to you? What do you value? How should we handle this? And your personality is different than mine. How do we work together? Um, just having that open communication and being able to understand it. Yeah. And sometimes having mentors to be like, okay, this is a like a thing we're arguing about and we can't get through. Can you help us see Love that. light into it or a new way that's mm-hmm. like totally different than how we both grew up? So for you, you just dropped the word that we love here at Rebel Parenting, mentors. So can you tell us a little bit about how you um, walk that out with your mentors? And the other thing you just shared to me was like the gospel about laying down your life and actually loving the person in front of you. I loved how you shared that. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I think mentorship, we talk a lot about it because I think it's so important and Mm -hmm. so vital for Mm -hmm. any person, regardless of if you're married or in a relationship or single, you just need someone to talk to and to be a sounding board Mm -hmm. and to like wisdom in each decision you make. Um, But in our marriage, I think in any marriage, I think it's really important to have a couple that you both really trust and respect and you're like, hey, we want our family to look like this in 10 years. Tell us how to do it. Mm. But also um, knowing that this is the couple that you both trust and that they are for your marriage. So if you do have an argument or there is something going on, you both can go to them and you like, you know what, I'm, it's just like trustworthy. You're not, oh, for sure. not mm-hmm. like decide with one of one of you or the other, but they're for your, your marriage. What mm-hmm. she's trying to say is don't make your parents your mentors. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. It's important good, good though. To it be is clear because yeah. we hear that happening. Yeah, you yeah. have to have some kind of things an, your parents just don't need to hear. Yeah, mm-hmm. you have to have like an objective third party, even mm-hmm. as good and healthy and beautiful and amazing and Christ-like as your parents, parents might be. Yeah. And so I think, and one thing I'll add to that, which I love what Alyssa said, is the way I kind of land on it is just it would be incredibly idiotic and stupid for <laughs> someone to live fifty years and make a bunch of mistakes, and then for you to come up behind them and not say, Hey, can you give me a summary of those 50 years? And you just do all the same things that would, um, 
that would just be ludicrous and ridiculous, basically. And that's we have that opportunity to let people go before us and then kind of hack our lives by asking them to direct us to where the landmines are. Mm-hmm. Here's the landmines in your 20s. Here's the landmines in your 30s. Don't step on these. Maybe do this. Here's a better way to set up the vision for your family and your marriage. And I think that's just deeply, deeply important. And it's biblical. You know, Paul had a Timothy oh, and Timothy sure. obviously had disciples. And like, it's just we are created to pass on. Uh, knowledge in a life experience way, mm-hmm. um, in a relational way, not just in spiritual formation. It's funny we make discipleship like you know this one hour at Starbucks where you go through a workbook. You're done. All, like, all, all clean. All other, right. It's like <laughs> like a little pill. You know, yeah. True. True discipleship is like true discipleship is man. I'm just gonna come hang out with your family and see right. how you and a dad for you know a couple weeks. And so. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. And so that's the stuff that we just, we are so like our marriage is because of mentors, mm-hmm. uh, what we believe, what we live, the truth, the blessing that we've gotten in our marriage, all these things, like it's all from that. And so we're not, we're all in on like, you need to find that. Yeah. And I just want to add, because I think like growing up in the church, you know, I, I was so excited to get married and I felt like I had a lot of mentors. So like, this is what a godly wife is and so many books. But then when you actually get married, it's like, oh my gosh. Okay, I know all Wait, this. Wait, I am how selfish. Do I actually respect my husband. How do I actually submit to him when this is happening? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think then you need a real life person to be like, "Okay, can you help me walk this out?" And yeah. um, mm-hmm. and I think for men, like older couples too, no matter. I think a lot of older people, I feel like, feel like they have nothing to offer. Mm, Wouldn't yeah. be like you have everything to offer because you're 20 years down the line from us, like. Even if your marriage has been rocky, you've learned so much from it, and so I want to learn from you. Oh. Well, um, and this especially is, if it's been rocky. If you've been married for a bunch of years and you had a rocky marriage early on, I definitely want to talk to you. How'd you get to well, the yeah, rocky times? Say, How'd you stay together? That, yeah, it's a similar thing of like I'm actually the person where I want to talk to the person who got divorced. Yeah, like you yep. know what I mean. Like I want to talk to yeah. people like like I want to like and and I know some of, some of the most tender, beautiful souled people I know have walked through some horrible things in their marriage Mm -hmm. maybe it's ended up in divorce or it's been redeemed but um yeah it's not like i'm trying to go find a perfect person i actually know that to some degree god molds and shapes Mm -hmm. and creates a sense of tenderness and beauty in someone's heart Mm -hmm. um when they walk through really hard things and so i want to learn from that too Mm -hmm. definitely in fact jeff you said it's you know discipleship isn't a one hour a week thing and you reminded me i've got a friend this happened a few years back, but I've known him for a long time. We've hung out many, many, many times. I would call it a mutual discipleship relationship. Uh, and a few years ago, I was at his house for like, I don't know, half a day, three quarters of a day and experienced a completely different person around yeah. his wife, around his kids. I mean, totally. he yelled at his son at one point, And I remember thinking in a million years, I would have never imagined this situation. We had a lot of different conversations after that day because I, I realized I didn't really know him that well. It wasn't totally. really well, discipleship. It was, well, it's a two-way street where it's like, first of all, when you see them in their home, it lets you know if you actually want to be mentored by them because mm-hmm. um, a lot of people can give you the right stuff at Starbucks, right? A lot of people know yeah. theology. A lot of people know answers. But I actually don't – I just don't the – the older I get, I just don't care about that. I want to see like do your kids love you? Does your wife love you? Do they resent you because the job you have? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do they like wish you never go out the door to, you know, that work or whatever? Like I want to see that. And so for us, yeah, the closest married couple we have that's like mentors to ours, 
We've spent significant time with them in their home, actually living with them for seasons of time, um, talking with them on the phone, meeting with them, having meals together. And those are the interactions that actually shape you. And it's funny, it's not scheduled, right? Like one of the most transformative experiences we've had with them is, you know, they do like this rhythmic family uh, Shabbat meal every Friday. And it's like this, this big ceremony for their family where they bless the kids and they throw a big party and all these different things. And it's something as small as that where you're like, man, that was really profound to us to watch them do that as a family, but it wasn't like we like scheduled that into the book. It was just like we were having dinner with them and it happened to be that night of the week. Mm. And so, um, it's stuff like that where it's like, you gotta be in people's lives. And it's the hard (laughs) part with the church is we don't like inviting people into our homes. We'll meet them at Starbucks. We'll meet them at church, but we don't want to invite them into our homes because that's messy. And we also probably know that a lot of stuff isn't lining up with what we're saying. And so, and you can't really hide it in the home. Yeah. It's changed a lot. You know, and I think, listen, I'm older than you guys. So I'll go back to the eighties. And I think parents in the eighties, there was a lot of control going on. So when you went to someone's house, they had, they controlled the situation. So it looked the way they wanted it to. And then behind closed doors, it was a little different. You talk to a lot of millennial couples. We're reaching a lot of the millennial couples. What themes we're finding if you're not vulnerable, if you're not willing to share your own, you know, struggles, vulnerabilities, I'm not being listened to. And I understand that. I want to make sure the person I'm talking to is real as well. As you guys are out there talking to people, you know, with this book, are you finding any common themes among the younger generation of marrieds? Um. <clears throat> Me and Alyssa both did that nonverbal look. Yeah, of like, nah. I'm sure you did. I heard it. <laughs> yeah, who, who's going to answer this one? Um, what I would say is, yeah, I think there is a couple different themes. Mm-hmm. I think, ah, I think the one thing that's really sad, saddened us by a lot of responses, but also hopeful of this is why we wrote the book. Hopefully, it's a conversation starter. Is that the the that so many millennials weren't even coming from like a place of having a good example and then just throwing it away, kind of like maybe the prodigal son. It was mm-hmm. more like just my man, I've never heard this before of just like even just normal relational truth. And so I feel like there's, or I've never saw a really good example of this in the home. And so I think we're just realizing how starving millennials are for good truth about love, sex, dating, and marriage. And that, that's the funny thing is like, I, I mean, we're in our late twenties, Alyssa's 30. We don't have much to offer. Like mm-hmm. we don't know what it takes to have a love that lasts, right? Yes. Like, yeah, <clears throat> we're very open and honest about that. You know, to some degree, I was joking where I almost we tried to get the publisher to name the book "Love That Last?" question mark because it's like we have no idea. For you know? sure, That's um, but I but I do think that but we're in this middle ground of like ah, but I do think we've unlocked a little bit of like hey, we just we're gonna follow mm-hmm. Jesus in mm-hmm. these things. And it's Amen. going to lead. It's going to lead to flourishing, and we've seen that five years in already. Even though it's small, in five years we've seen like man, we're healthy. Like we trust each other, right? Mm-hmm. We love each other and there's still problems. There's still hardships, but I think it's only because we just said we're going to make a commitment to follow Jesus in our marriage. So all that to say, I think that's the trend we're seeing is like, man, a lot of people just are like, so not even, um, starting at, starting at ground zero so much with this. And I think that's, it makes us hopeful because I think the Lord's taking the church and millennials mm-hmm. a direction, but it's just kind of interesting to see that that is the trend for sure of like, man, our parents' generation really like like uh, millennials get a lot of bad rap of like we're the ones just going to hell in a handbasket when it's like yeah, in, no. in reality and and it's not like our parents were that either but I do feel like there was a cosmic shift very much in our parents generation that yeah. is affecting us deeply you know you go well, 60s like 70s divorce, 80s divorce became so popular totally. I mean you can right. trace back to sexual revolution and then yeah. um kind of like no fault divorce you know th- these are like 60s 70s 80s ideas that we're actually now living with the fruit. And when I just mentioned in the last couple of minutes, that is that fruit. And so it's, yeah, it's really sad, but it's just interesting to think of 
you know, that stuff affects us 40 years ago. For oh. sure. Well, here's the interesting thing coming from someone that's 47. I've been married for 12 years. When you said, hey, you know, we're only five years in, but we trust each other. Unpacking that statement is a big one because you've noticed, you know, subconsciously, consciously that other couples five years in have an issue with trust. They don't trust each other. They're suspicious. They're checking phones. They're looking at the text in the middle of the night. They're checking Facebook. They're looking at the search history, you know, all those types of things. That's a big issue talking about trusting your spouse, how to how to engage trust, how to build trust, how to tell the person you trust them, how to build trust once you've broken it. You know, all those types of things. You're like, you know, five years in, isn't that far? Yes, it is. Lots of marriages don't last five years. And the fact that you look at your wife and you go, I trust you five years in. That's a big deal. It's a great. It's a good example, too. Well, thanks. Well, I really appreciate that. I think you're right. I mean, I think that's something that we talk about in in the book of like, you know, you have this ability when Jesus is your anchoring point and mm-hmm. your centering point, you have an ability to break relational cycles that usually happen when he's not, yeah, right. when you're, when you're living, when, when your identity is more in insecurity or it's more mm. in your spouse what or can it's I more, get? Like, you heal me. All these different things, yeah. then, then you just go in this, you go in this revolving door cycle because when a, when a false God, um, hurts you, then you're going to be undone, right? Like you can't, you can't survive that. And so then you lash out, you then try to be more controlling and manipulate and notice too, right? Like when you see Israel, you know, Israel with the golden calf, even though they had Yahweh right up on the mountain, I think it's, you know, the reason they did that is because in in my opinion, Yahweh was uncontrollable. The golden calf was controllable. Like Mm. they, they made it. Right. It was, it was was manageable, manageable. something that they could mold and shape and craft their own hands. And I think we sometimes do that in marriage. Mm. You, Alyssa, you, something you and Jeff talk about is this. I hear this concept about how maybe marriage isn't designed to make you happy, but it's designed to make you holy. Yeah. And I hear that. I want to ask it in a different way. I know it's not designed to make you happy, but I do think marriage was designed to, yes, make you holy, but also there's this intimacy and a connection and a relationship. I think the perspective of I should be happier because I'm married to the person I love is false and it heads us down the wrong path. Can you hit both of those? Because if we weren't, if we didn't want to be married to our spouse, holiness isn't really good enough to get married. You know, that's not really why I got, I didn't get married to my wife to go, you know what? I really want to get a whole lot more holiness in my life. I better find a wife. (laughs) I did. Yeah. No, just kidding. But it's got to be the both and, and it can't just be, you should make me happy. And if you don't, that's what the problem is. No, that's so good. And I'm glad you brought that up because yeah, it's not like you're going to just marry somebody and not be attracted to them, like not really enjoy them. And you're like, but God's going to make me so holy. I'm really like sacrificing myself by being married. (laughs) It's not like that at all. It's just that I think a lot of, especially millennials, we go, we're looking for love and we're looking for relationships. But if you think about the reason why you want it is to be happy, to be fulfilled. And I think it's just where the breakdown comes is instead of looking to Jesus to fulfill us and to be satisfied, like we have this God-given hole in us and we're all needing him. But instead of realizing that we're looking to human relationships Mm -hmm. to fill that. And so then you get married and you're both human and you're both um, sinners. And so you're going to disappoint each other. You're going to have faulty things and like hurts mm-hmm. just no matter how 
awesome of a person you are or how trustworthy you're going to hurt each other just because we're human. And so realizing in those moments that, you know, and I think a lot of the times millennials then or people will believe this lie like, hey, I married you, but I'm not happy. So this must not be the right mm-hmm. thing for me. You're, yeah, not, my you're not my soulmate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We or, hear that. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so then there's a lot of divorce or, and so I think it's just talking on that and in those moments realizing, okay, this is an opportunity to really run to the Lord, to trust him, to, um, how do I show grace? How do I forgive? Mm-hmm. How do we, yeah. you know, work through these things? And I think when you are following the Lord and when you are finding your fulfillment in him and you have a healthy relationship, then there is so much happiness. Like it's yeah, the best fruit. thing in the whole world. For sure. Um, but so they kind of go hand in hand. It's not really like a either or. Yeah. They really do hand in hand. Well, now I just keep thinking that a generation grew up looking to the culture to save them or to give them the resources of how to learn to forgive or how to extend mm-hmm. grace. And we can't look to Netflix in order right. to teach us that, or I can't even look to Facebook. I mean, mm-hmm. I love how you just, you guys are so grounded in Jesus. Get into a community of faith. Get clear about the gift you are and the gift people are in your life. Oh. Right. Yeah. yeah, and I so. think that breakdown comes from just um, not having, you know, a father in the home or a mom yep. or you mm-hmm. have great parents, but they're not really parenting you. They're not shepherding your heart. And so then you do look to the culture or your friends or Facebook or movies. Um, and even if you do have a solid family, if you're still, you know, it's just being in the culture, those things get into your mind. For and sure. so having to really like, okay, what does God say about that? Yep. Not, you know, what does Grey's Anatomy say about that? <laughs> yeah, or Totally. We don't want to know. Grayson, we don't want to know what McDreamy says about that. That's no. right. That's right. Uh, Jeff and Alyssa, thank thanks so guys. much for being on here. We love the book. We love your vulnerability and honesty, and just that you're bringing real topics out there, talking about marriage in a real way. It's been such a great time having you here. Hey, well, thank you guys so much for having us. We really appreciated it. Awesome. Thanks. Rebels, I hope you have a great day. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing it with your friends. We are just climbing up the charts on iTunes, and it's all because you share this with your friends. Thanks for handing out the resources. Thanks for telling people about us. Thanks to The Voice of the Martyrs, persecution.com, and MyPillow. MyPillow.com, code word rebel. God bless, Rebels. We will see you soon. Rebel Parenting is produced by Rebel Media House. And when you need a little help with your marriage or parenting, and everyone does, you can find it at rebelparenting.org. Sign up for the Rebel Update by texting the word REBEL to 444-999. That's R-E-B-E-L, and the number is 444-999. We love it when you share Rebel Parenting with your friends and family, so thank you. God bless. Thanks for spending your time with us. And we'll see you next time for another episode of Rebel Parenting. Rebel Parenting.